This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to a second edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast this week. That's right, a second edition, which essentially replaces the pregame podcast because we have no game to cover this weekend at Go PowerCat because Kansas State football's off. But you guys deserve all the talky-talky we normally provide-provide. And here we are, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, in the GPC studios for version two. Zach's already yawning. Zach is already not invested in the quality of this podcast. But he will be good when it counts the most. Right, Zach? We'll get warmed up eventually. Okay. Um, Ryan Gilbert is off doing other Ryan Gilbert things. <clears throat> He's got another job. Can you believe that he can't live off of the hourly wage I provide him? And he has to take another job to feed his family? Apparently he's making more than me. Yeah, he makes a lot of money. <laughs> uh, you might want to consider bartending at Solong or Taco Lucha. Anyhow, we're not sponsored by those guys. We're sponsored by The Fridge, and we love The Fridge. We love The Fridge so much, and, and I just found this new product that they have at The Fridge, and I got to tell you, this looks uh, amazing only because I am a fan of Peaky Blinders. Uh, I can't quite get through the last season because I'm a little lost. I kind of shut it down during the pandemic, and then they got back to it, and, and I'm kind of lost. But anyhow, Peaky Blinders is an incredible show about the rise of the English mob post-World War One. Anyhow, uh, they now have a product called um, Bushmills Prohib- oh my gosh. Prohibition Recipe from the Shelby Company, which is what the name of the Shelby Company, right? What the, the the bad guys? That's the name of their company, the Shelby family. It's now available at the fridge. It's an Irish whiskey. Go check it out. I'm going to check it out because I'm intrigued by that. It's one of the many products that you can get at the fridge. Go on and just ask them. What do you got that's new? And they'll they'll not show you Kevin because he's old. Fitz, how was Prohibition? Prohibition was great. Um, are we talking about alcohol? Or the current one, one or under. Oh, I'm not going to get into that. 
I just was wondering if you. I was talking about weed, Zach. Weed. Oh, oh, you were alive for both prohibitions. I, I figured you were just. I, I, we would talk about the ones in the twenties. Didn't, didn't get the joke. I know. We were calling you an old. I know. I, I'm going with it. Um, if you ever have a chance in Kansas City, this is just a, a throw-in for a, a bar I enjoy in Kansas City. Go to Tomstown because they have Prohibition era booze there. I just followed them on Instagram. They make it the same way or same-ish way they did during Prohibition when Tom Pendergrass was the boss of Kansas City. It's your questions from Wabash Station. That's what we do here. You ask them. You got to be a subscriber to ask the questions. Everyone can listen. But why don't you want to be a subscriber? Why? Just think about it. I'll give you a week to think about it and then get back to me. Maybe next Friday. Next Friday-ish. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Your questions from Wabash Station should be read by Ryan Gilbert because he's a lazy boob, but instead we have Cole Carmody. You mentioned the boss. KSU number one wants to know about the boss. Chris Kleiman showed a lot of emotion oh. at the end of the Iowa State game. How important was it to get this win for him? I thought we were going to talk about Bruce Springsteen. Um, he mentioned this at his podcast. At his podcast. <laughs> At his press conference. We love a podcast. Oh, my gosh. Um, they had a lot of family there. He's he's from Iowa. He's from Cedar Rapids, the home of Ben Sennett. Um, so it was important to him and Gene. They both have Iowa ties. I mean, Gene's not from Iowa, but he'd been associate AD or deputy senior AD, some fancy title, at Iowa before he ended up at K-State. Um, yeah. And – I'm just going to say this. He'll never admit this. I think there's a little heat between him and Matt Campbell. I think there's a little disdain between those two. I think the way Campbell blatantly ran it up in 2020 sticks with Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman opted to play a game that he, in hindsight, could have easily opted out of during the pandemic because he was so short on players. But he thought, hey, I'm going to take my guys up there, give them some experience. And Matt Campbell chose to run up the score and just crap all over K-State because he couldn't beat K-State before that. Um, and maybe from the Iowa State perspective, they didn't run it up. It was just a mismatch because it was a mismatch. But it still stuck with him. And I, I think he would still play the game because as painful as that was two years ago, I'm not sure they have all the fire they had on Saturday night names to, to get that one back. Because it took every bit of motivation and fire to beat Iowa State. I I sense that Matt Campbell is the darling of the national media. And certainly everyone in Iowa that is associated with Iowa State loves the guy. I would love him too if he was my coach. But God, is he annoying from the outside. His overstatements, one of the greatest plays in Iowa State football history. Oh, come on, really? Do you know all of Iowa State football history? Do, can, can you quantify that or do you only know what since you've been there? I mean, just stuff like that is kind of dorkish. Did you know who the leading <clears throat> passer was in 2020 at Iowa State? Brock Purdy for K-State, I should say. Oh, I, I, dude, I, I, that would be the legend of Nick. Ost, Nick Ost, of course, who is now a graduate assistant at UTEP with Dana Dimmel. Good for Nick. And, um, and he's also um, important to go Pyrocat to yeah, this day. Uh, he has amazing pictures. Am yeah. I allowed to say that? Okay. So here's an inside joke. And even 24-7 doesn't know about this. So don't tell anyone. So we have all these icon images that we like to put for daily deliveries and 
tweets of the week, tweets of the week, whatever. you know, just the, the stadium or the helmets or the big 12 logo, right. basketball, but yeah. all photos need to have a tag with them. And they're all tagged Kansas State, but then they just go into the giant pool of right. Kansas State. If you photos. want to find them easier, they need a tag. So all of those photos are tagged Nick Ost <laughs> <laughs> because it's seven letters, easy to type in, and there's not many actual Nick Ost photos in the admin. So, Nick, you're still serving your alma mater to this day. We appreciate it. That's it. Can I say, answering this question in general, um, recruiting? Can I, is that allowed? Can I say that there was some recruiting oh, angst amongst yeah. these two I coaches? I mean, there's people not just on our message boards, but on Twitter. And I know that, you know, some fans who aren't on either publication or a form of the Internet have complained. Oh, they only won by one point. It's disgusting. You know, and I even I even saw some people talking about how Bill Snyder would have never in his wildest have uh, imagination have said it was a great win. He would have been so frustrated about how the team only scored 10 points and they had penalties and Bill Snyder would have been ticked off that K-State won that game. He would have been mad they didn't deserve to win that game. And then there's Chris Kleiman who comes into the post-game press conference and says how great of a win it is. If you're one of those people who are frustrated because K-State only won by one point and you're frustrated because Chris Kleiman showed emotion after the game, quite frankly, you need to reevaluate yourself or you've never been around a sports Are people upset that he was fired up? There were some people who were very, very upset that this was the case. Yes. I don't get it. Yeah, I I want that. Like, why would you not want to be happy that you just won? I want a coach that values victory and doesn't mind beating a rival. And is going to say, hell yeah, we beat you. This is a serious rivalry stewing. This has gone beyond a cute little name and close games. These programs, who was the football, former Iowa State football player that tweeted he doesn't like K-State? Um, I'm totally spacing his name. Uh, yes, I know you're talking about. Hakeem. Hakeem Butler. Butler, thank you. Boy, that's teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these programs are getting to the point where they really dislike each other and they overlap in Kansas City recruiting a lot. And there's a lot of, uh, you can't even imagine the crap that goes on in recruiting. So there's all that. Those There's so many layers here to being happy about beating Matt Campbell in Iowa State. He's going to value this game every year. So get used to it, even if you don't like it. Next question comes from Go Stay Kate. How would you grade K State's transfer portal class through six games this year? Nah. I mean, they've got some obvious successes, but don't forget the failures. The guys, but the guys that they picked up haven't who haven't played. Can you count them, or is that does that count as part of your grade? I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you needed linebacker help, and you signed two guys to be linebackers that aren't playing. The guys that three, are on the- three guys. The Jennings left. So Onus is injured, and uh, I've already crossed the Missouri guy off my brain. John Robinson. Yeah, he's gone. They they swung and missed at linebacker. They ended up with one junior college guy, right? That is okay. He's not even counted as a transfer portal guy, though. Right. He goes into the recruiting class yeah, since he right. spent two years at junior college. This is the f- fourth. Fourth season for Chris Clement at K-State. Fourth transfer portal year. This is the worst one by far. And that's no shot against the guys that are playing. Josh Hayes has been awesome. Yeah. 
Um, Kobe Savage. I, I don't. He's I don't. A, well, he's he's a, yeah, right. I don't agree yeah. with that. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. If you just look at transfer, James portal. Gilbert, Jordan Brown, coming in. Harry Trotter. Was Harry Trotter Harry a transfer? Trotter was here. Was was he here? Okay, yeah. but he did transfer elsewhere. There is absolutely no way K State's five and one with Will Howard at quarterback. Oh yeah, there's that Martinez guy. We kind of, so we kind, of for, we, we kind of forgot about it. That kind of makes up for a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Makes up for a little bit, but as of as far as a class, yeah, the overall, class kind of fell apart. Josh Hayes. Oh, I said him. He's awesome. Those two Josh guys. Josh Hayes and alone. Adrian Martinez a, is it. He's a superhero. You look, at, you look at the other years. You have bona fide guys each year. You don't have Heisman contenders. But you don't need to be a Heisman. You don't need to have a Heisman contender. To say that you're the, you know you're not a good class. Who's the best transfer portal guy, most impactful guy to come to K State? Russ Yeast, Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Outside of Adrian Martinez, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Russ Yeast, yeah, probably Bradley Moore, Reggie the, Stubblefield, and who? Who'd you Riley Moore. Yeah, he was injured a lot. Yeah, could have been, but. I mean that that Bradley Moore is a perfect example of why James Gilbert they don't have that layer of player with this group they've got two guys that are really important and that's kind of it so that's yeah I I understand that and I, I I just think you have to judge it off of the best player not the worst player you have to judge it by the hits not the misses well there's a lot of misses but that's there's what, that's the problem that's the thing they didn't miss very bad the first the three past. years yeah yeah they missed very badly just because you you hit very well. Doesn't excuse you for for missing. But I think there is a lesson to be learned by the staff, and I think they would admit this, that they recruited – what the heck was that? They recruited Brandon Jennings on raw, incredible talent, and they missed out on the fit. And they always talk about the fit. We got to guys find guys that fit, and I think that's a part of the reason why they come back and keep emphasizing it. I knew that dude wasn't a fit. I just when I met him, I'm like, oh boy, it's you look the part, but you don't sound the part. But you look at Sean Robinson. I mean, there's no way of knowing that his personal issues would arise before he came to K State. You had no way of knowing that he wasn't going to be able to play. Well, it'd be the same with that an injury. Excuse it. Yeah, it's the same with an injury. It's Will Honus, but Honus is different. It. He's different. He's had a history of injury, so that is a that is a calculated risk you take. Sean Robinson, I think it's just. Honestly, it was bad luck, and if he's the only one that doesn't end up playing, I think we just kind of say, huh? If you want to know how bonded this team is, the fact that Will Honus has found out he can't play football anymore and is still here means he wants to be part of this group. Yeah. That's pretty interesting to me. I'll say this. Next year is an open scholarship, no limit. You've got to stay under your 85. There's going to be so much movement. From the coaches, I'm not talking K-State specific, but around the country, clearing out their roster. You can't play. You can't play. You're not developing. You are, you're out. They're going to run off so many players. There's going to be so many players in the portal will make everything else look sad. Mm-hmm. So if you do have players that don't fit your culture, dump them. And I am talking about K-State. If you got guys in the locker room and they're like, well, I'm not playing. I don't know why I'm here. Okay, you're gone. How many of those guys is K State? I don't think there's any. If they are, they're young and dumb. Yeah, they think they're you know they're still high on being a high school football star and not realizing this is a whole different world. Mm-hmm. Because you can go out and sign thirty five guys. You can load up on the portal if you need to. So how would you grade it then? If you were to give it a letter, I'd grade. give it a B minus. 
which I think is the lowest grade they would have gotten in that, like Zach said. But Adrian Martinez is pretty good. It's, it's, it's one of the old, if we were to compare it to baseball, K-State's been very good at getting base hits and singles, and they've probably been hitting around 320. If we're to make this baseball, they're like a 320 hitter. They're an all-star who gets on base and can get base hits. But this year... They have been swinging for the fences. Not in an Aaron Judge-like No, I was going to say, they are Aaron Judge over the last two weeks of the season. Adrian Martinez is the home run. The strikeouts are the rest of the I would say guys. Joey Gallo or Cody Bellinger. But yes. We're getting a little too down the rabbit hole there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give it, I'm going to give it a B plus because Adrian keeps it up. But yeah, interesting class for sure. Uh, next class comes, or next class, next question comes from ContraCat. What would it take for a big noon kickoff or college game day to come to town? Um, win at TCU. Oklahoma State is unbeaten coming to town. Or is it the Texas game? You got to hope that everybody else that's important loses like Alabama. No, that's true. I don't, Ohio State. Again, I'm not looking at anything else going on yeah. that weekend. That's a, that's a key part of the formula that K-State can't control. We, we talked a little bit about it on the way home from Ames, but um, I think it's more – now I'm starting to think it's more the Texas game because if K-State can beat TCU, they can beat Oklahoma State. They've started to become more established. That second game of the homestand, that last game of the homestand, they're playing Texas, who's probably a top 15 team. If they if Texas they, continues they win. to winning, yeah. so then you have the appeal of Texas, which we know ESPN loves. You could have a top ten K State versus a top ten Texas team. Not a top ten Texas team by then. A top fifteen Texas team, maybe. Yeah, I think that 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 could be more likely to be your game than Oklahoma State because I don't think that. I think College Game Day went to Lawrence because it was a cute story. They wouldn't come to Manhattan because it's a cute story. They'd come to Manhattan because it's a dang good football team versus another dang good football team. But Texas has that draw. This is fascinating to me. So they spend most of their lives going to the biggest venues, the biggest games, Tuscaloosa and Baton Rouge and Columbus and Knoxville. Austin or Dallas whenever they can um, to see – the Red River rivalry, which was a horse crap game this year. They, they invest themselves in this. This moves across Twitter today. Congratulations to the University of Kansas, and I sincerely mean that. 2.3 million viewers for College Game Day. It is the best pre-November, which makes sense, show since 2010. Now, this has kind of been my point. You never lend your platform to those types of programs. And then you say only the named programs get the ratings. Look at the ratings. Well, nobody else is allowed to have the high ratings from being on these big platforms. Again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. This proves my point. There are so many more stories to be told in college football than ESPN typically allows to be told. I bet you in some corners of the ESPN offices, they regret this. They regret this in the middle of negotiations with the Big 12 over a new contract without Texas and Oklahoma because this blows up the notion that only those schools can get ratings for your network. And I am watching them manipulate the other games in this conference to avoid lending credence to the argument that the Big 12 will be fine. 
They put the worst game on the only national platform on Saturday. It got the worst ratings they've had on a national platform. And what I mean by that is an over-the-air ABC game, which is or Fox, that Fox has rights to, since the last 10 years. The only year that was worse, they were on FS1, proving my point. They put the other three Big 12 games, all more meaningful in the conference, on FS1, FS1, and ESPNU. That literally looks like they're trying to suppress ratings. Now, look, there were a lot of great games around college football Saturday. They really were. In fact, it was a rare night of having four games on prime time, which doesn't happen for on all four networks, not ESPN included, which I'm sure ESPN had a game. Maybe they had baseball. Uh, I think no. there was a game on. Yeah. Okay. They had everything. I, I mean, K-State on puny little ESPNU got pathetic ratings. It was a boring game. Let's be honest. It was a boring game. I think it's – we don't give ESPN ESPNU enough credit for being a bad channel – I, I still will contend that ESPNU is the worst channel you can play on, and that includes streaming. Everybody can go sign up for five bucks or ten bucks to go stream on ESPN Plus, but not everybody. ESPNU, has ESPNU gets buried by Cox, gets buried by other cable providers. I mean, if you get YouTube TV or whatever, you're fine. If you're if you're buying a sports package or a a streaming service that has sports on it, you're going to get ESPNU. Right. But cable companies are still living in the Stone Age. And they make you pay extra for all the other sports channels mm-hmm. that other lesser products such as YouTube TV or Hulu plus 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 or whatever they're doing now. Everything is accessible except for ESPNU for most people. FS1, I, I haven't verified this on my own, but I, I read that the KUTCU game, even though it was dwarfed in ratings by the Red River rivalry was the highest rated FS1 college football game of the year, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. But again, what happens if you reverse those platforms? Dang it, Zach. Is that me? Did you just blame Zach? That's you. Did you just blame (laughs) No. Man, if you reverse those games on Saturday, we'll never know. If Texas and Oklahoma are on FS1 and KU and TCU are on ABC, we'll never know what the ratings would have been. Because they don't want to do that. It's like ESPN's always betting on the favorite. We're we're better off picking the favorite. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And they never let the underdog have those platforms. Can I say this and then we'll move on? Yeah. They treat this college football like the NFL. Right. They, they think that the teams that, quote unquote, are the blue bloods of college football are what people want to see. Because in the NFL, it's true. It is. People want to see Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs get great ratings. How is that possible in a small market? Because the NFL is more a national story. Same thing with Tom Brady. Same thing with Josh Allen. All these guys, those teams, people want to watch them. Right. People don't give two craps about Texas and Oklahoma. People don't give two craps that Alabama is playing Texas A&M. Like most people, I guarantee you, were watching. If you're a K-State fan, you could care less about Alabama A&M. You're watching K-State play Iowa State, and you don't even know that Alabama – Almost loses to A and M. Don't get this twisted. I'm I'm not saying that Texas and Oklahoma don't have the biggest following in the Big Twelve. They certainly do. They're not just national brands. They're historic brands, and that's the difference. Clemson is not a historic brand in my book. Florida State isn't a historic brand. 
These are the brands that go all the way back to World War II. Said it over and over. They are two of them. Nebraska is a historic brand. USC and UCLA are historic brands. And they continue to give the historic brands the platform even when they don't deserve it. And because of that, they seem to be suppressing other brands that might rise up. And I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just out of the short-sightedness, but maybe it is on purpose. Maybe they don't want those brands to develop in any way. Oregon isn't a historic brand, but it is a national brand now because they caught on. They got the platform enough and they got the exposure enough where people say, yeah, I want to watch those goofy uniforms and that wide open offense that Chip Kelly used to run. That's made them a brand, just like Miami was a brand back in the day. They don't want that to happen because then that brand drives more money out of their pocket for rights fees. It's all about, that's all this is all about. It's about, we, we want to consolidate where we put our money and only promote those programs. And it's time people push back. And I'm going to tell you, 100% certainty, folks at programs such as Oklahoma and Texas don't want that. They are very worried about that. They get very nervous. Uh, they they just think, seriously, those people think they they have the only viewers. Nobody else watches any game. And, again, what happened with KU and TCU proves it completely wrong. Last question of the first half comes from... Florida Cat 90. How big is it for K-State to have Avery Johnson playing in the All-American game, the Under Armour All-American game, I should would like to specify here? Big? I don't know. It's cool. It's really cool. It's horrible if he gets hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's really neat. I mean, because those are elite players. For the how, most many, part. how many series is he going to play, though? Yeah. There's, what, three quarterbacks probably on each team? Yeah. He probably plays a quarter, max. You know what it is, though, guys? This is important for not the class of 23 but this is important for the class of 24 and the class right. of 25 to say oh that's where i want to be oh this kid's committed to k-state right oh my goodness i got taylor right in my phone right here talking to me right now telling me to watch the game that's probably where it comes in yeah. he's gonna be texting people during the game because this is the quarterback of the future if i'm a receiver and i'm watching avery johnson play and i'm in the class of 24 the class of 25 and i got you know yeah. These coaches in my phone telling me this is the guy that you're going to play with. Your quarterback's on TV right now. Take a look. Zach, I'm going to state this straight up to our subscribers. If you think this Under Armour game is really important to you, it's in what, January 14th? Yeah, I believe so. January 14th. And, and basketball will be rolling at K-State. But if you think it's really important, by God, Zach and I will go to Orlando for the entire week. <laughs> We, we'll, we'll go down there for an entire week to cover everything leading up. Just you and Zach? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, you got to stay back and, and do the actual work. And uh, we'll cover everything, including Zach will rate all of his favorite golf courses in the Orlando area. Because if we're there a whole week, you can get in at like two rounds a day, right? Easy. Yeah, easy. I will be at a pool. Drinking. Do I have the company card to play golf with? Well, that's something. If, folks, you think this is important enough, we will take your hard-earned money that you subscribe to Go Parakeet with and let that golf. Watch more YouTube videos. That's my pledge to you. That's it for the first half of the podcast. We'll be right back with more of the Powercat Questions podcast part two. 
of the week. I don't know. I have no idea. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We appreciate you returning after that first half. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, in our second edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast of the Week, because we have no pregame podcast, so you get this. Be happy about it. I'm happy about it. I'm enjoying myself. I'm venting a lot. I need this once in a while just to let it all get out of my nerves. Cole, sorry. Let myself go there. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you check out The Fridge whenever possible. I am overdue to get to The Fridge. And here's my thing about The Fridge is I've got to get over there and get some stuff that is perfect to drink around the fire pit. You just got to go get you some. Go get you some. We kind of abandoned that. We need to get back to that. Um, no. Okay. Uh, because there's no K-State game this weekend. And like Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights are going to be cool and crisp. And we got stuff waiting to burn at our fire pit. We got a sweet-ass fire pit. But I need stuff from the fridge. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get, go, go get me some. I messed that up. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. I'm the NFL official from the Chiefs game. Go, Garbity. It's funny you say that. We might have a little question about that later on in the second half. Uh, the first half, or excuse me, the first question of the second half of the podcast comes from Etain BB. Everyone says this bye week couldn't come at a better time. How does scheduling the bye week work? Do you get to choose it, or is this a gift from the scheduling gods? Or does Big 12 do Big 12 computers who almost always put K-State Conference opener on the road? This is a good question. I, I honestly, I have no idea. I mean, I think the Big Twelve sets the once you give them your dates. Like, if for some reason, like next year, I'm just hypothetically, this isn't true. Okay, you can trust almost everything I say, except this isn't. Let's say Missouri wanted to play October twenty something against K State next year. They wouldn't, but. The Big 12 would build around that, and that would just go into the computer, and then it would spit it out. So I'm guessing and purely guessing that the computer spit out this as the open weekend for for K-State because you look at the two schools that are behind everyone else, Oklahoma State and TCU are one game behind. They do play this weekend, and that will equal that out. I think KU's off week is even later, so um, they won't get – 
did they already have it? No, I no, don't. No, they had. They played their early conference game. Right. So, but that open weekend that KU needed open because of their conference schedule, that played in the schedule probably. And then right. uh, Baylor West Virginia playing Thursday this week. Also, that was probably really the true fundamental. Right. If you're playing game, on Thursday, game of the game of the creating it because they needed the bye week the previous right. week. That this scheduling is going to get so interesting after those certain two schools leave because that set date, mm-hmm. I swear, has screwed things up. Having that date set every year, this has to take place on this week in Dallas, neutral. I think that's throwing some things out, but Zach brings up a good point, and I think we all need to be prepared for this with the new Big Twelve schedule. The Big 12 is going to have to be willing to play Thursday night games a lot. I think, really, you too? What? I mean, long day. I I know. It's been a long day. A lot of me talking. It gets boring. Um, Because then you have to schedule the bye weeks before. Some programs don't do that. I think UCF has only played like two Saturday games this year. Yeah, it's weird. And Gus Malzahn is not happy about that. But that's stuff the American has had to do to promote their product, and it has been effective. And I don't think it's a bad blueprint for the Big 12 to follow as you want to prove that we can have a national following. Look at the ratings for our Thursday night Baylor and BYU game. If they play again, it'll be huge. So, um, yeah, get ready for that. But I think the computer spit this out. But um, I will check on that. I'm interested in that. You know how cool it would be if Gene Taylor was like, actually, I want to have our bye week on week seven. Who cares what anybody else says? We are not playing this week. I know that's not how it works. but I know. I, but could. Could. They could. They they might be the – maybe you get X amount of I wonder if, ask. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, or like everybody gets one one weekend where they get to choose what you they know, want. We, we, we're going to play this conference game in week four or this non-conference game in week four. So maybe we have to have a conference game early because we don't want the bye week in week two. Like KU, you got the Red River, got to have it this week. Maybe there's people out there setting we want to play this game in a certain week. I, the one thing I wish the conference would do, um, and, and this kind of kind of gets less important, I, I wish they would pair up better opponents for the final weekend. If you're going to continue, now look, the NCAA is considering moving the season up a week, so the final weekend becomes optional again, like it was for most of football. There was very few weekends, a few teams playing that weekend. Now everyone plays because you need it for the 12th game. I like K-State and KU that weekend. I think it's brilliant. I mean, nobody's asking anyone to go out of state to go cover a game, not cover a game, to go watch a game, like if you're the family. You can still do I'm I'm fascinated to watch the tailgating on Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, there's going to be people out there with full turkeys and the whole bit in that parking lot. But I, I look around the conference and I don't see some of those similar matchups. And like I think Iowa State West Virginia, which has kind of been a little rivalry in some weird way. I wish they were paired up. I wish Oklahoma State and Tech were paired up. Um, oh, you know, but you also don't want to put all your rivalries on one weekend because they get good ratings. Mm-hmm. So I don't That's know. That's true. Good point. But also, I think those pairs wouldn't necessarily be rivalries enough. Right. And I think they would work. Baylor, right. TCU, Oklahoma State. Uh, and you know what? I, and I think you want to, you, you probably, if you're the Big 12, you probably want to avoid matchups where you may have a rematch for 
your conference championship. Yeah, it's hard to do that. I mean, that's why they moved Oklahoma Oklahoma State off that because yeah. they've been consistently good. I, I think with the new conference, it's going to be even harder to predict that. Um, but, I mean, if you're looking at – if you bring in the four-corner schools minus Colorado because nobody wants them, um, you don't play BYU-Utah. You play byu Arizona, and you play Utah, Arizona State that weekend or something. You don't want to. You don't want the Holy War? The Holy final, War? Final game of the season? Can, can we just move that game back to Easter? Mm, I think that'd be odd, but I like the way you're going with this. Spring game. Spring game. Next question comes from Wildcat Pilot 88 Will Iowa State catch Texas by surprise this weekend? I, I think there's a degree of that that could happen. They just cannot move the ball. They can't do anything on offense. Yeah, That's it, They've got to solve their offensive issues. But I can see Texas coming off, kicking Oklahoma's butt, yeah, being absolutely full of themselves. The fans are. Oh, we're national title contenders. We almost beat Alabama. Congratulations, you lost. You know, I great. We almost saw K-State beat Texas last year, but they lost. We're not counting that as a win. You don't get to count a loss as a win either. You know what they say? Play hard shirt. Only counts in hand grenades. Everyone says that. We don't need to add that now. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Cole, it's okay. And play hard shirts. And play hard shirts. But uh, they could. Well, upset? Maybe not. I don't think they're good enough to beat Texas. But if that spread is indeed up to 17 and a half right now that's a lot of points for texas to score on that defense because let's say um somehow hunter deckers engineers a touchdown and they kick a field goal now you got to score 28 points against that defense and folks that defense is legitimate and if sark can find something to exploit out of that and maybe it's just sheer athleticism our guys are better than your guys we're going to run over you I think Texas is capable of that physically, but not mentally. Texas is going to be surprised how good Iowa State's defense is. Their coaches are going to be shocked at how disciplined their defense is. Their their defense, their Texas's offense is also not going to be able to do much. I just don't see how they don't get out physical in this game. Is out physical? Is physical? It's going to be a word. They're so much stronger. Iowa State is a legitimately good defense. They are. They're going to keep them in the game. So yeah, I think their offense will be surprised. I think the defense of Texas or of Texas will be surprised at how terrible the offense is at Iowa State. Iowa State's so got to figure team. out this offense. Do you really not have a quarterback that can stand in a pocket and take a little bit of pressure? All you need to do is literally sit back and throw it up to Xavier Hutchinson. That's it. Don't throw it to him along the boundary. That too. That too. But yes, this will be an interesting game. X did not mark the spot. Next question comes from Adam K sixty three. Has Matt Campbell reached his peak at Iowa State? Great question. You know he stuck around in the face of having, I think, I would imagine, some pretty good opportunities to leave, which I admire. I mean, I think it's cool, and I hope he doesn't leave. He's loved up there. Um, he's an effective coach. He has been an effective coach. The season isn't going so well, but I don't think um, he'll stay the course with. He'll throw guys under the bus. Uh, he he will. Um, but this might be the year he bails. If he gets a good offer, even after a bad season, which we had this interesting discussion amongst ourselves on our text combo, about half of us think he will still get great offers. If Nebraska doesn't get their first or second choice, which I don't know who that would be, they might go to Matt Campbell and say, here's $9 million a year. 
Now, I tend to think he's just holding out for Ohio State. I just, I think that's his school, and he's very happy in Ames. And I, I mean, I hope Iowa State fans get to enjoy a long-term coach like Kansas State did with Bill Snyder because it makes a world of difference. There's such stability in your program. But eventually, you know, things start to age. You know, that's not about coach. I mean, your recruiting style, your coaching staff, your your offense gets out of funk. Now, Coach Snyder kept reinventing himself until it didn't quite work. I don't think Matt Campbell's the guy that's going to reinvent much other than firing coaches. And this offense ain't working. This this offense worked because they had a pretty good quarterback, an NFL running back, NFL style tight ends, and enough. Receiver weapons through the years. Guys that are in the NFL, like Alan Lazard, right? That's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's got he's done a good job recruiting. But what I'm shocked at is when they had so many key players that were obviously not coming back, this is what you had on the cupboard? This was it? It's because they don't play young guys. That's what it is. Yep. And this is, what, what do you expect? I mean, when you do not play your younger players, this is what – this is what happens, and we've had this conversation before, but, I mean, this is why K-State, I think, is going to be better than people think next year is because they're giving these young guys experience. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Desmond Purnell and, and Chris Kleiman talks about every press conference and the Jacob Parrishes of the world, and, you know, even if you want to say the DJ Giddens, like, these guys are going to be better off because they're playing, but yeah, I, that's why I think Chris Kleiman has a higher peak than, than Matt Campbell has. I, I think, yes, he has. And he did it during a COVID season where K-State fans say it doesn't count and Iowa State fans say that they were one one or two plays away from playing in the college football playoffs. So, yeah, I don't think Matt Campbell gets to 9-3 and three again like he did in the Fiesta Bowl. And when they won the Fiesta Bowl, I just don't see that happening because the Big 12 is just too competitive. I mean, everything had to go their way in 2020. They bring the same team back in 2021 and go 7-5 and five and lose the bowl game to where K-State wins their bowl game has a better record than Iowa State. I know we're not comparing the two schools, but I'm comparing Chris Kleiman and Matt Campbell because now they're 2-2 two and two against each other, and I believe that Chris Kleiman is a better coach than him. I do too. So, yeah. I hope, I hope coaches come and say, I hope Leipold stays at Kansas. Particularly as we move into this new Big 12, stability is going to be really important. But you have to understand, the new college football that we're about to get ahead into, if the Big Ten or SEC wants a coach, they can buy it, period. This is going to be it. It's going to be like the transfer portal for coaches. I mean, if they want your coach, they will have the money to buy it. Look at what Jimbo Fisher got from Texas A&M. If they want your coach, they will buy him away from the university that we thought he'd never leave. And now they owe him like $40 million if they fire Oh, no, it's like 80 Oh, yeah. It's, Why would they ever fire me out at there in yeah. Texas a I do. I think, I think Matt Campbell has peaked at Iowa State. I don't think he's ever going to be higher than what he's been. I think a Big 12 championship loss is about as high as he's going to go Matt there. Campbell and Iowa State fans are like that kid in high school who was super, super popular, and then he never went to college. He just hangs around his hometown and always consistently talks about the good old days while he's mm-hmm. still hanging out with the same friends he had and dating some girl that he met in mm-hmm. high school still, right. and they always reminisce. That's all that Matt Campbell is. Right, Zach? Zach went to college. Oh, that's right. I have a degree. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I agree. And I just come back to this. I mean, 
I appreciate Iowa State fans so much. They're they're so passionate. They're so loyal. I mean, they put sixty thousand fans in the stands on that for that game. That's that's impressive. But you never have won double digit games. K State might do that this year. What would that say if Chris Kleiman in year four does that after being picked fifth in the conference? I don't think they will, but they could, particularly with the bowl game. They haven't done it with a bowl game. K-State gets a 9-3 and three in the conference. They don't even have to play the Big 12 championship. They go to a bowl game and win, double-digit wins. I think that's realistic. I think the question after that becomes, how good is Chris Kleiman's agent? I don't want to talk about that. Well, good. The next question is probably the greatest question we've ever had in any podcast oh, history. It's, he's wrong. Okay. Uh, it comes from a guy by the name of GPC underscore Cole. Ah, oh, that jerk. He says... Is roughing the passer the worst call in all of football? Why has it not transitioned to the college game? Okay, so this is about the, this is your subtle way to bring the Chiefs into this podcast. Is that yes. what we're doing? But it's a football question in general. I hope this nonsense never happens with college football. I don't even like now that they've lowered you can't go after the knees. Like I can see you can't target the knees, but if you're knocked to the ground, it's not even just the knees; it's just the legs in general. You can't like go. You know, if the offensive lineman takes you off your feet, what are you supposed to do? Stand up before you? It's gotten absurd. You can't touch quarterbacks. Just put flags on their belts at this point. Make it optional. If if this is what the rule is going to be, put flags on the belt. You guys saw Tom Brady's reference passer call, too. I mean, but you have to go back. The most absurd was Chris Jones's tap on his helmet. Right. It was the shoulder pad. The shoulder pad. Right. Right. They got called for hitting him in the helmet, and it was a shoulder pad. But, yeah, so you have Tom Brady gets protected from being flung to the ground, but you can't land on him either. You can land on him if you break your fall, which Chris Jones did against the Raiders, but that was still a penalty, even though the quarterback didn't have the ball at the time. It's so confusing. But later in the game, Mahomes gets flung to the ground more violently than Tom Brady did. No penalty. The NFL gets so risk-adverse. They get so scared. The Dolphins screwed up the Tua situation, period. We all know it. But this doesn't solve it. The problem wasn't the way the rules called. The problem is the way the Dolphins handled a concussion. That's what should be addressed, not watering down the game more and more. And if this starts to creep into college, college can't afford it. The NFL can afford to piss off a lot of fans because they have folks. If you don't realize the NFL dwarfs anything in college sports, it just does. It's the biggest monster. There's a reason why Amazon's paying a billion dollars a year to show a game every Thursday night. It's that significant. So they can kind of screw it up, but they are screwing it up. They are making this, such a soft game. It's not even. It's not football. Fits. Troy Aikman said it very un unpolitically correct in how he said it. But the thought is, quit making this anything than other than what it is. 
This is a violent sport in which you risk your health to play it. And everyone who puts on the uniform understands that. I saw an incredible clip of Tom Brady from early in his career when he slid and someone just absolutely teed off on him while he's in the sliding position. And it wasn't a penalty back then. How? I don't know. But it wasn't. You know what he did? He got up and played football. And now if he's touched, he whines. If he doesn't have 100% protection, he whines. That's what we've done. We've just turned football into being so soft. So why has it not transitioned to the college game? Oh, it will. It will. As soon as the administrators get together and go, you know, the chancellors and presidents go, well, we we might get sued for a concussion. Because I've seen... K-State defenders absolutely destroy some opposing quarterbacks this season on blitzes. And in the NFL, it's probably roughing the passer. Think about how many sacks Felix has gotten where he's fell on top of the quarterback or Jalen Pickle, Eli Huggins, these big men that just fall on top of these quarterbacks. That's roughing the passer in the NFL. I mean, really, what would get rid of roughing the passer in the NFL is if you give the refs the power like a boxing ref – to call a sack, like a TKO, just like plays right. over, that's a sack. You're down where they got you. Right. Congrats, you're not injured. And you should that's, be able to designate that at pregame. Chiefs wouldn't want that because Mahomes gets out of trouble all the time. Right. But the Buccaneers would want that. They probably wouldn't. They probably they like having the slightest thing called for 15 yards. I don't know. It's it's a mess. They're, they're screwing up the sport. And that was the worst call you've ever seen, right? Am I not the only one? No, Chris Jones's one with the shoulder pad was the worst. Okay, well, those two are the two worst roughing the passer calls I've ever seen. Yeah. This one was so bad because the rule was meant if you intentionally put your body weight on. Because guys would do that. They would get the sack and then just fall with their hands out their side to put all their body weight on them. That's not what he did. The best part of the referee's explanation was that... Possession of the ball didn't matter because it came after the penalty. <laughs> no, it didn't, actually. It wasn't a penalty until he fell with his weight on the quarterback. You have already said that, and he had the ball instantaneously. He couldn't put his right arm down. He was holding the football. It was incredible. But and I talked to you guys in between our recording today. I'm beginning to really worry about the NFL might have undue influence on some officials. I'm seeing so many weird things from officials in an era in which we're seeing sports gambling, sports betting skyrocket. I've never seen an NFL game where an official manipulated the course of the game as much as what I saw between the Raiders and Chiefs. The Raiders literally got every call. Early in the game, it got up 17 nothing. They made a critically bad error in a call, and the Chiefs got virtually every call after that, and the Chiefs won. That is exactly what a game would look like if officials were manipulating it for gamblers. Exactly like that. But the NFL would never, ever even admit that they're looking into that because then that pulls into question the entire integrity of the league. So... I don't know. That was a lot about the NFL right there. That was good. Last question of the podcast comes from Pelster. This is probably just for Zach, so Pelster. I'm going to let him. We can all talk about this. What are your overall thoughts on the men's golf success really, so far? We, we can all talk about this. If they are ranked in April when the Big 12 championship comes to Kansas, would one of you go cover it? 
Yeah, Fitz, are we going to cover cover golf? Where I didn't know it was in Kansas. Where's that? Oh, it's at Prairie Dunes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was worth covering. If they're legitimately so they, a national. Seven minutes ago, they find, the tournament finally ended. They won by 14 strokes. At Oregon State. At Oregon State. Can you put this in football terms? Uh, K-State won at Oregon State. <laughs> Was it a duel or was it a tournament? No, it was a tournament. Okay. Here, I'll pull up the leaderboard here. Uh, K-State shot three under as a team. Washington State got second. They were 11 over. Tarleton State, who is now Division One, got third, 13 over. Southern Miss was there. Utah, Oregon State, Gonzaga, Boise State. You, then we get into... I would think Gonzaga would have a good golf team. Yeah, Gonzaga, Gonzaga got ninth. They were tied ninth. Anyway, that's kind of the, the scope of the teams here. I wouldn't say that this tournament had a, a high strength of field, if, if you want to put it that way. All right, so but put it, put it, it is impressive that K-State has won their first three tournaments of the year. They've gone back to back to back. So, so basically, they beat South Dakota, they beat South Dakota, Missouri, and they beat Tulane. I wouldn't even say it's that good. I mean, I mean, it's early in the season. It's nice that they're ranked, but at the same time, they're going to have to actually play some teams, some Oklahoma States, some Texases. You know, there's a lot of good golf teams in the country. And K-State, I mean, K-State's home meet, their home tournament a few weeks ago, about a month ago. Dodge City was in the top five, I think. Dodge City Community College was in the top five the after like day one. The Conquistadors. Like there was a community college that was in there and was come on, man. Was there was no Power Five team. There was, you know, it, a lot of it was. It, half of this field is about what that field was. Does Bill Snyder schedule golfing opponents? That sounded like. Yeah, it. he might have, but I'd have to look at what, what what the Wake Forest tournament was. But I think that one was a lot more impressive of a win than this one was. But I think it says a lot. I think we can look at the individual scores here, but probably Cooper Schultz probably played pretty well. I don't know what the total is here. Individual player leaderboard. Nicholas Mason was the top K-State player. At Shout out two. my boy, Nick. Will Hopkins was even. Do you know Nick? Nope. Okay. Cooper Schultz was cool. plus four for the tournament. But Coop. that's three guys. Cooper oh, is a machine. Lorenz Shergan was actually ninth as well. So, Lorenz? Oh, uh, and Tim Tillman's. Actually, actually, Cooper, Cooper Schultz. Jeez. Cooper Schultz was 17th. He was the fifth golfer. His score didn't even count for K-State in the team score. Ah, uh, Coop. So they played pretty well. I'm, I'm, thank you for all that. There you go. So Coop, Tim. Will we go? Will we go and cover them? Probably not. But if they make really, if they make the NCAA tournament and they're in the match play at the end, that is definitely worth going to because that's fun. That's why. That's why it's worth going to because it's it's fun. Well, it's fun to cover. I mean, if you want us to go to a golf tournament and cover it, how are we going to do? Like, I'm not going to go out there and film it. Zach's going to shoot highlights. (laughs) No, I can do play by play. He lines up on the 18th. Well, let's get that Bob guy. Bob Minery. F- to oh, do boy. the play-by-play. I don't think so. I Bob think Minery. podcast is done. No, uh, oh, man. Huh, I love golf. Folks, Zach just quit the podcast. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Go Power Cat, Power Cat Questions podcast. 
second edition of the week. No pregame podcast, because in case you didn't know, K-State doesn't have a game this week. They played golf, though. They played golf. We'll be back next week with the whole slate, the whole shebang, because K-State has a game next week, but not this week. That's the difference. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.